We are in the book of Proverbs, and we've been studying here in Proverbs now for a few weeks, looking at various topics, and as I've said by way of introduction in this uh, book, as we go through it, uh, it's actually one of those little, you know, well, it's not too little, but there's 31 chapters in Proverbs, and you could go every day into a chapter, and it never runs dry. There are these little short sayings, that's what the word proverb means, and it's, it's really just these couplets of sayings, most often. Not all of them are, but most of them are either opposites um, or they're similar um, statements coupled together. And they just resonate in most people's minds. It does in mine, at least, because they're simple, right? And I'm kind of simple when it comes to things, and I need to hear it simply sometimes. And so that's kind of the way... Um, God's word gives us this book which is just a very practical book and if you follow these little sayings and take heed to them anyways uh, I think we would all live a better life and as a, as a Christian we'd be more obedient for sure well let's begin and I'm just going to read one verse and it says here a word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in settings of silver let's pray Lord again we are grateful for your word we're grateful for the words that you give us. And Lord, as we sang tonight, oh, for a thousand tongues to sing. And we are mindful, Lord, that in heaven there will be thousands upon thousands of tongues singing. And Lord, we'll be part of the redeemed if we are yours and singing glory to you forever. Lord, now on this time that we have in this journey in this life, I pray, oh God, our words would be carefully chosen and Lord, you'd give us your words to speak life into the lives of people. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now, I'm not only going to speak this verse or say, read this verse. There'll be many other verses. We've been looking at these just as a take a topic. And tonight's topic, as you can guess, is the words that we speak. And Solomon says a word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in settings of silver. And I, I was trying to imagine that as I was... Uh, you know, reading that, and I thought, well, is that like golden delicious apples on a silver plate? Maybe. I don't know what Solomon had, but we do know that Solomon, who wrote the, the Proverbs here, um, he was a man of great wealth, and he had so much gold at his disposal in his, uh, his time that um, he made all kinds of opulent things, and he, he was known for his wealth and the beauty of his uh, the temple of Solomon, the palace that he had built, many palaces actually. Um, it, during that time, his soldiers often would be anointed with oil as they were getting ready to parade through wherever, and they would sprinkle gold dust on them. And you can imagine in the sun how that would reflect as the soldiers marched and they did that. So there was lots of gold. So I don't know what Solomon had in mind exactly, other than to say he had this beautiful setting in mind. And I think the analogy here is that our words that are carefully chosen are like something that is of great beauty that you could set out in a dinner piece or something and people would say, wow, when they see that. And that's really the point, is that our words are important. And Solomon, some 3,000 years ago, um, paid tribute to this. And probably this topic is one of the the more prevalent ones in the book of Proverbs is you hardly get through a few verses where it doesn't deal with the words that we speak. And I would say there's a reason for that. And as God breathed out his word through the pen of Solomon, 
and, and for our instruction today, it's because people have a hard time with their words, speaking the wrong words or sometimes using words inappropriately, and we can cause great harm with our words uh, when you think about that. Uh, Aesop, the same one who has the famous fables, right? Um, he wrote this. He said, Our speech and the type of wisdom that governs our lives displays the state of our heart. And I would echo that. I think Solomon echoes that. What is in our heart will come out in our words. And so that's why I think ultimately we have to have the heart that is right, a heart that is yielded to the Lord. Well, let's look at this topic tonight, the words we speak. And point number one is that our words can help. Uh, Very simple, but again, our words can be helpful, right? And I have a few points under this one. The first one is this, that words can bring good counsel. And over and over again, Solomon uses phrases and he directs those that would be reading these, um, his son and others that would be reading these, and he says, seek good counsel. And we are in a world today where you can get counsel on anything, but it's a lot harder to get good counsel. That's for sure. And if you want bad advice, there's, there's a thousand people in line waiting to give you bad advice. And there's very few waiting to give you the truth and good advice. And so we are to seek good counsel. And our words ought to be that kind of counsel. Proverbs chapter 10 verse 20 says, The tongue of the righteous is choice silver. The heart of the wicked is worth little. The lips of the righteous feed many. But fools die for lack of wisdom. And you hear, uh, in this case, the the idea of lips that bring words of righteousness and words that are like choice silver, right? Uh, Something that is valuable. And contrasting that to the fool, fools die for lack of wisdom. And that is true, isn't it? The mouth, Proverbs 10.31 says, The mouth of the righteous brings forth wisdom. But the perverse tongue will be cut out. Boy, that's a, that's a promise that I don't know if you want to tell somebody when they give you some perverse thing that they say and say, oh, guess what? The perverse tongue will be cut out someday. All tongues are going to be made silent before the Lord. Uh, it, with the exception, we will praise him. You know, there won't be anybody that will be able to say perverse things. That's what I meant. We'll be able to say righteous things in eternity. But there won't be any perverse things that are said and spoken. And so that is the, the, the lips of a fool. Proverbs 27.9 says, The ointment and, perf- ointment and perfume delight the heart. And the sweetness of a man's friend gives delight by hearty counsel. The picture there is someone who can bring good counsel. And it's, it's like ointment or a perfume that brings a good fragrance. Have you ever... And I know you have, you know, we've been in conversations, hopefully you're not the one doing it, but conversations that after you leave, you go, that just stunk. <laughs> it leaves a, a, a sort of spiritual or uh, an environment that just stinks and it poisons everything and it remains there in that way. Contrast that in the positive sense, the words of life, the words of righteousness that we have from the scriptures bring life and they bring that fragrance of life in doing that proverbs twenty-seven seventeen: as iron sharpens iron so a man sharpens the countenance of his friend i love that verse i've used it many times uh, you have a good close friend 
and that friend is able to come and and rub you a little bit and you rub them a little bit in the way you counsel each other and if it's good counsel it sharpens you making you a better implement that way a better man a better woman secondly not only can words help by bringing good counsel but they can promote peace promoting peace and i would say um for instance proverbs chapter 11 verse 13 it says a talebearer reveals secrets but he who is of a faithful spirit conceals a matter that's called discretion that's called not going around and telling everything that you know some of us it doesn't take much to tell everything we know but i would just put it this way that you've got to be careful that your confidence is not breached and those kind of things when someone comes to tell you something and they are really seeking good counsel or something like that you, you know don't go back out and say hey guess what i learned and then it get eventually get back we've all had those kind of things happen probably to us in that and it's deadly in some cases isn't it um it promotes peace between others and says there is one who speaks like piercings of a sword but the tongue of the wise promotes health and there's the picture of someone who can cut to the soul right to the bone or someone who can bring healing to that same soul and doing that it can avoid arguments and words can help in that diplomacy is a good word and sometimes we need to learn ways of diplomacy sometimes as the bible says proverbs 15 1 it says a soft answer turns away wrath but a harsh word stirs up anger there are those that that their i think their gift is to stir up anger right and maybe you've met one uh hopefully it's not you but listen uh, that should never be the mark of a Christian, that we're just there to stir up anger in people. Instead, soft answers. Sometimes those soft answers hurt worse than a, than a word of anger that is brought in that way. The tongue of the wise uses knowledge rightly, but the mouth of fools pours forth foolishness. The eyes of the Lord are in every place, keeping watch on the evil and the good. And a wholesome tongue is a tree of life, but perverseness in it breaks the spirit. And ultimately, we are to um, avoid those kind of arguments that bring forth death. And sometimes that literally can happen. People get in arguments. um, The 12th of September, 2021, on Interstate 80 in Berkeley, California. In the wee hours of the morning, two men were driving along, and one uh, who was driving his vehicle hit the other man's vehicle and it didn't cause much damage to the vehicles but both of them pulled over and apparently began to argue and soon they forgot they were arguing in the middle of interstate 80 and someone driving a little mini cooper came along and hit both men and killed them while they were arguing i, I would dare say from this perspective now those two men probably aren't too concerned at who was at fault in their accident But sometimes our arguing literally can bring about our own death. Be careful with that. And those are are stories you don't like to hear. But you can see how easily it can happen. It it makes us nearsighted and we don't see the big picture of things. Titus in the New Testament says it this way. But avoid foolish disputes genealogies contentions and strivings about the law for they are unprofitable and useless reject a divisive man after the first and second second admonition knowing that such a person is warped and sinning being self 
condemned. And my friends, that, that is someone who, and that is, by the way, given to um, leaders primarily, that's pastoral counsel given to pastors from the Apostle Paul in this case, uh, as he writes to Timothy, and he says, avoid those disputes that draw you in, right? And, oh, they're always there. There's a lot of them. And there are people that you know when you bring up something, they're just going to take the opposite side to try to draw you in. And pretty soon, much of your emotional energy, your mental energy, and your spiritual energy is just drawn into something that is of no use at all. In this case, he refers to endless genealogies. Um, These were uh, most likely people who were from the Jewish background, and they were going on and on and on about their family history. And and they were, and like, remember, Paul said he was of the stock of uh, Benjamin, right? And of out of that tribe of Benjamin. And he could have bragged in that, but he chose not to. And there were many people, they would walk around, they still do it today. Well, you know who my family is? Let me tell you about them. And it goes on and on and on. And honestly, uh, most of us will not remember, or, or even in this room, if I asked you, where are your great-grandparents buried? Most of you would know. I wouldn't know all the. I, I can know a couple of them where they're buried, but I don't know where their grave is. Haven't visited them, and they're not that far removed from me. One, you know, my dad's generation, then my grandfather's, and then my great grandfather, three generations away, and we forget where they're buried. And I'm not saying that, that to be disrespectful, but I say sometimes the things we're so concerned of in this life, and the things we think are important, like ourselves, the next generation is going to forget us. It's really the things that are done for Christ that are worthy and are lasting in that way. Our words should also have a positive effect. And there are some people that just always have the right words to say. It reminds me of the story of the young man who worked in the produce section of a grocery store. Now, Eric, you listen up because I see Eric in the produce section every now and again. And this woman came in one day and she's looking at the lettuce And she looked at the young man who was working there, and she says, I want to buy half a head of lettuce. Well, the young man said, well, ma'am, we don't sell just half a head of lettuce. They come in whole heads. And she says, well, surely you can find a head of lettuce that's just half a head of lettuce. And he said, God didn't make half a head of lettuce. He made a whole head of lettuce. But he said, I will go and ask the manager and see what he says. And so he walked up to the front of the store and sought out the manager and as he was there, he said, you wouldn't believe it. He says, there's this, this uh, woman back there, this lame-braided idiot who thinks that she can buy half a head of lettuce. And, and then the manager's looking real serious, and he points, and the woman had followed him up to the front. The young man turned around, and without missing a beat, he said, and this dear lady wants to buy the other half. <laughs> well, later on that day, the manager got alone with the guy and, and, and he said he said that was the finest example of thinking on your feet that I've ever seen he says where did you learn that oh he says well you gotta understand he says I I grew up in Grand Rapids and in Grand Rapids we're known for two things he says our hockey is really great and our women are really ugly well now the manager stood up like this and he got all red in the face and he says my wife's from Grand Rapids and the young man, without missing a beat, says, what, what hockey team did she play on? <laughs> and there's always somebody out there that's smooth like that, right? They can always come up with the right words at the right moment 
usually to bail themselves out, right? Well, anyways, I don't know. Do you sell half a head of lettuce in uh, parodies? No? Okay. (laughs) Right? That's about it. I know, I know. But it might come to that. If inflation keeps going, we're going to divide them out and and, uh, think we're buying more. I don't know. But look what it says here. Pleasant words are like a honeycomb, sweetness to the soul and health to the bones. When we bring encouraging words and the right words, uh, really, it brings that sweetness to the soul. And sometimes just being around people like that, you know, you go away, you have a smile on your face. Sometimes you don't even know why you have a smile on your face, but it's because you've been with somebody who's done that. Like an earring of gold and an ornament of fine gold is a wise rebuker to an obedient ear. Now, even when you have to rebuke somebody, done in the right way is good. It has a positive effect. And there are those that that do that. They thoughtfully can go to somebody and carefully rebuke them. And it's also here, you know, that's somewhat conditional because not everybody takes a rebuke, even a wise rebuke. But it says, it is like gold, a wise rebuker to an obedient ear. And for those of us, hopefully us, right, I say myself there, if someone has, and I've had people do that, come to me and correct me for something, and sometimes my pride doesn't like it, but I usually know if they're right on, and I have to say, you know what, Uh, you're right. And if we're going to follow the Lord, and you come to the scriptures especially, he has a marvelous way of correcting us. Sometimes we don't like it. My father-in-law always tells me there's pages in his Bible he'd like to just tear out. And thankfully, he hasn't torn them out. But there are times you get to those pages and you're like, oh, but Lord, you're right. And an obedient heart, an obedient ear will go and do that. He who rebukes a man will find more favor afterward than he who flatters with the tongue. Hmm. I'll just let that sit there because that's, that's what happens, right? We can carefully chosen words. Point number two, our words can hurt. We've already mentioned some of those. There are a number of examples in the book of Proverbs. First one is anger. Our words can stir up anger. Proverbs 11.12, He who is devoid of wisdom despises his neighbor, but a man of understanding holds his peace. Proverbs 17.14, The beginning of strife is like releasing water. Therefore, stop contention before a quarrel starts. I think of those two men in the middle of Highway 80 there, Interstate 80, arguing in the middle of the night, and they both end up getting run over. Uh, imagine if someone just took this, the, one of the Proverbs, one of them says, you know, soft word turns away wrath, or the beginning of strife is like releasing water. Watch out what you do. When you, if you're going to fight, it's going to cause a fight. And that's the way it goes. Be careful about that. Therefore, stop contention before a quarrel starts. A fool's lips enter into contention, and his mouth calls for blows. Hmm. You ever had somebody like that? You know, I had a guy in the military that, um, he was in our platoon, and about every other week, he'd come back on um, our first formation on Monday morning, and he'd have a black eye, or he'd have a fat lip, or he'd have stitches, or something like that. And there was a story attached to it. And he was usually incorporated, you know, having too many beers or some kind of form of alcohol and he was a lot braver than he was uh, like in stature okay he he was in his head he thought he was bigger than he really was and oftentimes somebody would correct him right on the spot 
And, and he showed up on formation every you know, other Monday, pretty much, uh, with his injuries to, to show after that. And much of it just, I would say, self-inflicted. Although he didn't punch himself, he caused it. And that's what the, the Bible says here, that the fool's lips enter into contention, his mouth calls for blows. There are just those people that are out there going, punch me, punch me, punch me, right? Now, it doesn't mean you should do that. <laughs> that's not what it's, it's saying. But we should take heed about that. Nobody, you know, eventually you're going to meet somebody that's going to correct you. A fool's mouth is his destruction, and his lips are the snare of his soul. Oh, there's so many that I could think of that have gone that way, where your lips catch you in something that eventually snares your soul. Proverbs 25, 23. The north wind brings forth rain in a backbiting tongue and angry countenance. Again, how our words can hurt in that. And that goes with our second point too, which words can bring gossip. And gossip is essentially just passing on um, words in the form to hurt somebody and not to build them up. Uh, in various ways but that's kind of the short answer for that proverbs sixteen twenty eight: a perverse man sows strife that's what gossip does it sows strife it's hey have you heard what she did or what he did or what they are doing and it isn't to build them up it's rather to tear them down and make them look bad or to create some kind of damage that will go on there's actually legal ramifications if you do that if you slander somebody, um, uh, if you do that, you know, you can do things in writing or you can do it from, you know, a public forum of so much. And we're in a world in our country is filled with that kind of stuff that goes on. People out and out lie about others and they just do it so publicly and they don't think it's wrong. And you have to always be careful about that. And even if you think maybe somebody's engaged in something that they shouldn't be, be careful what you say. Because you might be wrong. And it, does it actually build them up or correct the problem? You know, those are the questions we ought to be asking first. And a whisperer separates the best of friends. How many of us? If I went around this room, I'm not going to, but you had a friend that you lost because they lost your confidence. Right? They whispered about something you told them. And oh, that hurts. Proverbs 18.8, the words of a talebearer are like tasty trifles. Wow, how many of us have had talebearers that you've uh, entertained, you know, and it's like, wow, what a story, only to find out they go right down deep, but they aren't true. And there's lots of talebearers. Don't let it be you. I think for a Christian, for a believer, it's the worst of the worst, because if you go and tell tall tales, that people find out they're not true and it doesn't take much to figure that out, then how in the world can you go and tell them the greatest story of truth, which is the gospel, and have them believe it? Because they're going to say, you're not believable. Why would I want to even entertain that? Beware of that. And there's all kinds of tail-bearing, embellishing ourselves, right? Easy to do. Oh, I, I think all, I don't know, I struggle with that sometimes. I've caught myself embellishing myself to make myself look better. And then I think about it, I'm like, wow, that's not really good. That isn't the way it happened. It's the way I'd like it to have happened, but it didn't really. And you know what? I've had to go back and tell people. 
hey, I, I, I said something that really, you know, it's not true. And I don't know why I said it. Well, I don't make it a habit. I will say that. It's not a good habit for a pastor to have. But the words of a talebearer are like tasty trifles. It's easy to go down. And I've told people, I've said, hey, look, you don't have to make up stories to be my friend. You know, be straight up with me, and I'm a lot better friend. Proverbs 20, verse 19. He who goes about as a talebearer tail bearer reveals secrets. Therefore, do not associate with one who flatters with his lips. We're told not to associate. And I think that's, that's an important thing. You know, the, the um, old saying, you know, you are what you, by the, known by the company that you keep. And it catches us up in those things. Well, and that goes with this point, which is lying. Our words can be out-and-out lies. And the book of Proverbs has a lot to say about truthfulness and lying. Proverbs twelve nineteen: The truthful lips shall be established forever. But a lying tongue is but for a moment. You know, I've thought of that verse when sometimes I see somebody on TV and you know they're lying because you know it. But they're convincing a whole bunch of people that that's the truth they have. And I, I think, oh, I wish you were exposed right now. But then I get thinking, you know what? It's but for a moment. Even if they live to be 110, it's just a moment in history and time. But a truthful tongue, a truthful mouth, the lip, is established forever. When your lips bring forth the good news of the gospel and you're sharing that with people, that establishes people forever in heaven. If you're going to be a liar, well, the Bible says the devil is the father of all lies, isn't he? And we have to be careful that we don't act like him. Lying lips are an abomination to the Lord. An abomination. But those who deal truthfully are his delight. See the total opposites? Truthfulness. And dealing truthfully. It is his delight. Oh, we need more people that are known for that. And um, they're known in, in that very sense to do that. Hypocrisy. Hypocrisy is doing one thing in, let's say, in private and another thing in public. Or with one person acting out this way and then acting out another way with others. And, or living a lie. That kind of thing. That's hypocrisy. And the Bible has a lot to say about that. Fervent lips with a wicked heart are like earthenware covered with silver dross. He who hates disguises his lips and lays up deceit within himself. There's somebody who within they have this idea of hate and it comes out in the lips. When he speaks kindly, do not believe him, for there are seven abominations in his heart. Um, In Pilgrim's Progress, John Bunyan's Pilgrim's Progress, he has a character there called Talkative. And... I wrote down the quote from what Bunyan wrote of Talkative. He says, he was a saint abroad and a devil at home. (laughs) In other words, when he was out in the market, people thought he was the greatest saint. He spoke the right words. He did that. But when he was home, his family knew the real him. 
Be careful. Don't be a saint and the devil at the same time. The devil will always win. Though his hatred is covered by deceit, his wickedness will be revealed before the assembly. And this reminds us that all things are uncovered by the Lord. Who knows all things? We read that verse earlier. His eye is on the good and the evil. He sees everything. And when we get that at a heart level, we start understanding that he's omniscient, that you're, you and I are undone before him at any given time. He really knows what we are and who we are and what we're like. And it doesn't mean that he's waiting to zap us. We are, we are sinners. And someone I saw, heard this sort of talked about the difference between a saved sinner and a sinner who has rejected Christ is not saved is one sinner is running towards sin. And the other sinner is a sinner but should be running away from sin. And I think, you know, when we're talking about our life here, we are still going to struggle with sin. We're going to struggle with the tongue. We're going to struggle with the heart and what's in there and all that. But we should be running from those evil things and not running to them. And that's part of it. Proverbs 26, 28, A lying tongue hates those who are crushed by it. And a flattering mouth works ruin. A man who flatters his neighbor spreads a net for his feet. And again, that's a picture of someone who goes and they they say wonderful things to you, but they aren't true. And they're flattering, right? And sometimes it's just like I've had friends that will tell you to go do something and you think they were like they were put, had your best interest at heart, but um, they didn't. You know, I remember when I went to MBBI for the first that first year, I uh, I didn't have any dress clothes, and at that time they had a very kind of strict dress code, and I inherited some ties from my father, and I thought they looked pretty good because my dad wore them, and I remember I went there and I had this Canadian guy, uh, he was from Ontario, and they think they dress well there, and I remember he looked at me, he said, "Wow, that's a really nice tie," and I was really proud of that. And then I went, and I went to the, one of the chapels, and uh, I had a couple of guys say, where would you get that tie? Uh, what, what dead man did you find that on? And I thought, you know that guy, I tell you what, he set me up. Instead of telling me the truth, that your tie looked like it came out of the, you know, the funeral parlor, uh, probably the guy had been dead for years, uh, you know, he said he could have told me that and probably saved me a little embarrassment. Not that I had much fashion. I grew up in Quimby, Maine, okay? I don't have much fashion, you know, all that. But I, I was thinking about that. Now, that was just harmless. We do that to each other sometimes, don't we? But it's another thing when you set people up purposely to go just destroy them. And he didn't do that. I'm not, uh, I'm still friends with that guy to this day. But I, I would say this there are those kind of things that we have to be careful that we're not just spreading a net for somebody, right? And then thirdly, our words must be controlled. And there's a lot in the book of Proverbs that talk about controlling our tongue. Um, The equivalent to that is James, right? James chapter 3, in those first 12 verses or so, uh, it talks about the tongue, right? And it's like a horse that can't be bridled. And it's like, or it's like a bridle, it's a small member, but it controls the whole, it's like a fire, right? It can go out of control, just like that. And we think about that, our words need to be controlled. Proverbs ten fourteen: wise people store up knowledge, but the mouth of the foolish is near destruction. 
And you see the contrast here? Someone's storing up knowledge. That's wisdom. That's coming to something uh, wisely and not just speaking whatever comes to the very first thought in your mind. And there are a lot of people like that. They speak first, think later. Well, the wise person doesn't do that. He thinks first, stores it up, then he speaks. In the multitude of words, sin is not lacking. But he who restrains his lips is wise. And I would say this, there are, there are very few times I've regretted not saying anything. But there are many times I've regretted saying something. Uh, things I should have just shut my mouth. But I didn't. For a wise person, it's the idea that we need to control what we say. Whether it be a complaining attitude. Um, I've worked with people that everything they say is a complaint. And I've, I've met Christians. That's their life too. Everything is a complaint. And I've wanted to stop and say... Is there anything good in your life? Anything going well? I mean, even a slight hint of it? Because what happens is it draws us into that attitude. And I think that's, that can be sin, right? He who restrains his lips is wise. Proverbs fifteen twenty eight: The heart of the righteous studies how to answer, but the mouth of the wicked pours forth evil. You know, that should be pinned to the top of your feed on your social media account. Uh, if you have that, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm just saying we ought to pin that right there on my Twitter feed or whatever else you have. The heart of the righteous studies how to answer, but the mouth of the wicked pours forth evil. Because what do we do in our modern society? Oh, somebody mistreated you or you think they did or whatever. Boom, you write a paragraph. Send a picture, whatever. And everybody knows it. And all of a sudden... You've hurt people and damaged people. And we're living in a world where, especially with our young people right now, their you know, suicide rates are increasing with uh, teenagers and that er, you know, early years. I mean, there's a lot. That rate is going up. And a lot of it deals with just people saying nasty things about them online. Don't that, let that be you. Study a matter. And if you're going to say something, say, ask some questions. Is this going to build somebody up? Is it going to add to the problem? My complaint may not help the situation. It might just add to the problem. Well, how is that going to do any good? You know, those are simple questions you can ask and say, if I waited on this till tomorrow, would it, would it matter? Most of the time, it wouldn't matter. Instead of just going in the heat of the moment and writing something, saying something, calling somebody, talking to them, saying what you really think. If we thought about it and stopped and said, wait a day, you might have a whole change of heart. I have um, made it my point. I wish I could say perfectly, but I, I really try. When something, I have to write down something that is like something that has to address somebody. I will write it out. And I'll get all the, my emotion out, I'll think it through, and then I won't send it. And I have a lot of those that I have deleted the next day. And just said, you know what, I'm not sending that today. I don't feel the same way, and it doesn't help the situation anyways. And I don't think it would change anything, and I've just left it. That's my rule, maybe it'll help you, I don't know. Maybe you have better things as well that you can add to that. 
Proverbs 21, 23, whoever guards his mouth and tongue keeps his soul from troubles. Again, guarding that. That should be our prayer in the morning. Get up in the morning and say, Lord, give me your words today. And I realize that, you know, that doesn't mean everywhere you go you're going to be uh, quoting scripture. And by the way, that doesn't mean that that's in your heart. Uh, I remember reading of Nikita Khrushchev, who was, you know, the fiery Soviet who... uh, during the Soviet days, you know, a devout atheist, really, if there's such a thing, but, you know, he was atheist. But in his childhood, uh, Nikita Khrushchev memorized scripture and he w- was awarded, like, awards in his youth following for memorizing scripture. Later on, that scripture had no effect in his life, apparently. And again, I'm not his judge. Maybe, maybe his public appearance was different than his private appearance but nevertheless just knowing scripture does not change your heart but internalizing it believing it guarding your heart that does the heart of the wise teaches his mouth and adds learning to his lips proverbs seventeen twenty seven: he who has knowledge spares his words and a man of understanding is of a calm spirit You've heard the phrase, uh, that person's a know-it-all. Um, don't be a know-it-all. Sometimes it's best just to not let everybody know what you know. I think it's, it's good, but sometimes people won't listen to you. A man of understanding is of a calm spirit. Wait till they ask you <laughs> if you know something. And sometimes I've, I've um, purposely, you know, you have somebody and they get, you're listening in on a conversation. And... You get on spiritual matters. Now, <clears throat> I, you know, I've thought, well, hey, you know, I, I know a little bit about the Bible. Maybe I should just jump in and dump everything I know on them, you know. And I have done that a few times, and it doesn't work out well. Usually they're like, oh, no. You know, who opened, this, who opened the cage and let the preacher out, right? And that's kind of the way you get We just have to know when and what to say and leave it. If you look at how Jesus witnessed to people, he did so with questions, so often, Jesus asks a question, and he leaves it there. And sometimes those that stuck around, he adds a little more, and he would tell a parable. But he wouldn't go in and explain everything that he knew. You imagine if Jesus was there expounding on all the things he knew. According to the book of John, all the things that Jesus did, if they were recorded in the volume of that, the, the cosmos couldn't contain it. All the knowledge of God. How can an infinite God even fit in creation? You know, his knowledge. And yet, Jesus doesn't speak everything he knew. He spoke what was important. Even a fool is counted wise when he holds his peace. When he shuts his lips, he is considered perceptive. (laughs) It's better to be silent, right? Sometimes... And people might think you might be a fool, but it's better to be silent and they might think you're a fool than to open your mouth and remove all doubt, right? Someone put, that, put it that way. And we're to be reminded that our words must be controlled in that. And I end with this verse. Jesus said in Matthew 12, verse 37, He says, for by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. Words are extremely important. 
our words, by those words, we are justified before God, and by those words, we are condemned. And that ought to be, you know, the weight of, of eternity. When we think about that, carefully choose your words and pray for one another, pray for me, and that we would use the right words in these days and be wise. God, we thank you for the Bible. Thank you for the very fact that we can speak. There are some that can't. Thank you, Lord, that we can write and we can express thoughts. And Lord, thank you that you did that and gave us the Bible. The Bible tells us what you're like, who you are, and how we can know you. Lord, help us to bring that word of life to others. In Jesus' name and for his sake, amen. All right, well, uh, we'll move in if you need.